On today's show, I caught up with someone who will this weekend celebrate a significant milestone in his career when he runs out against Richmond in Melbourne. After playing rugby league as a junior, today's guest chose the AFL pathway where he suffered a number of setbacks before being taken by the Swans in the 2006 rookie draft. Kieran Jack will play his 250th game on the weekend and has some great stories to share from his time at the Swans. I hope you enjoy the chat. Now, mate, I do want to thank you for actually coming on the show because I do feel that you're probably, when we were discussing the project, you were one of the sceptics. Would that be probably fair to say? Oh, I was a little bit cynical. Conversations yeah. with Cal, how did you come up with that note? Um, oh, it's obviously a, a, a deep process we went through. Like, look, it's, it's a start, mate, and um, we'll just kind of see um, see where it goes. Now, now, I think it'd be fair to say that our conversations at the club... Um, I'll just say this. I think we're good mates. Can you confirm that? Well, you did come to my wedding, so yeah, yeah okay. we, we're good mates. Thought a bit last minute, I thought, on that invite. You didn't give uh, me a present, but that, that's another thing. Uh, I gave you the present. <laughs> I gave you the present of presents. Um, but anyway, so, but I'd, I, it'd be fair to say that I think that our conversations at the club tend to be a bit more argumentative and confrontational um, compared to probably other friendships you know, around the club. Would that, would that be fair to say? I think we're very good mates, but I think we've got very different views on, on kind of how things run. Chief, we've got a bit of depth to our conversations. It's a little bit different to talking to Isaac Heaney or some of the other boys. <laughs> oh, actually, we, we talk the world issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, we do. We, we see things a little bit differently, but that's okay. Yeah. I, um, it's funny you say that because I actually, um, for those of you out there, to the four listeners that, that listen to this, um, the um, us and uh, Kieran and myself, um, we were only a couple of spaces away in the locker on the, in the locker room, so we probably share a fair bit of conversation time together. Um, but I'm not sure if back on the point that you said about you know certain other boys' conversation. I looked over the um, the locker room the other day, and I saw Joel and Marty and Toby Pink having a sword fight <laughs> with coat hangers. So I think that, we're doing a little yeah, bit better than that. I mean, that's too. what you get to look at it, the, in yeah. the locker room. I mean, I, I mean I've had I've had Gary Rowan next to me for a long time. He hasn't said boo. Um, yeah, when he Zach plays well, he does. When he, day, when he plays well, he talks a lot. Mm. <laughs> and then Craig Bird was my other you know partner there next to me for a while, and he didn't say much either. So mm. I have to sort of skip a couple down to you to actually yeah. have some genuine chats. How are you going with Millsy? Uh, Millsy's Millsy's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Private school boy. He's got he's got some decent chat on him every now and then. <laughs> yeah, no, he's an intelligent man, Millsy. I'm looking forward to to getting you on the podcast. Um, and I'll, all right, mate. We'll we'll address the elephant in the room. Um, I think it's important that we get Here this we out of the way. Here we go. And the football world and the Swans world knows you as Kizza. Um, but amongst the boys, can you confirm what what your what your nickname is amongst the club? Uh, I thought it was just Kizza. Just Kizza. Just Kizza. <laughs> nah, for those listeners out there, um, Kizza's nickname at the club, in which I think we need to get out to the Swans community, is uh, also known as Beak. Um, so if you come down to training, or if you can hear what if you hear the boys calling yeah. for the footy, um, Beak. Though I yeah. mean, I've only been called Beak the last eighteen months. I've been, this is my fourteenth year at the club, chief. Yeah. And Beak has been around the last eighteen months. Yeah. Who was responsible for that? Um, I actually think it was a little smart-ass Will Haywood. And yeah, right. It was, it was, he can't it, talk, though. The young and, yeah, yeah, the young and old, actually. I think Jared McVeigh, Woogie, Woogie McVeigh might mm. have been the other one that came up with that one. Look, I actually don't think your nose is a big deal, to be honest. <laughs> I, I personally well, don't. You. I actually, But I think their nickname, Beak. It's pretty funny. Um, when you hear it out in the training track, I think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So. Oh, a classic nickname. If you don't like it, it just sticks. Yeah. I, I hated it. And then... You get guys like Dan Hanbury, who's just a, just doesn't shut up. He ran with it to no end. So yeah, yeah it just stuck. I think Hannah's used to run around and go beak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably uh, Jack Maybomb when he resisted the nickname, it probably cost him as well the bargain. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. When you call yourself a bargain in the draft, I mean that's. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to stick. I think someone changed it to budget. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway but mate well, why don't we give this podcast a crack then mate enough of the waffle right, waffle but okay. what do you reckon yeah let's go so mate as we uh, as we sit here today mate you're actually just shy of 250 games um, you've got premierships up your sleeve um, 
All Australians, club champion, captain of the club. You've recently just completed your MBA, actually, which I'd like to touch on a little bit later in our discussion. Mm-hmm. But um, but if you don't mind, mate, if you're keen to jump in the the conversation with Cal Time Machine, we can just go back a little bit further if you don't mind and, sure. and get to know get to know you a bit better. Your school days. So you strike me. As your classic teacher's pet, I, I feel that you would have had, you know, badges on the blazer, garters for your socks, a bit of shoe <laughs> polish, and, um, you know, a nice little packed lunch. Yeah. What were you like at school? Um, I... We'll start, where did you go to school? Oh, I went to school, West Penn Hills Primary School yeah. to start with, and then went to Oak Hill College, which is a huge rugby union school. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, I, I enjoyed school. Uh, I enjoyed, you know the sporting element more you know clearly uh sport was a passion of mine growing up you know you look around my house growing up during the day it was footy memorabilia and you know posters and accolades everywhere so that was that was my upbringing um football was seen as everything so I loved it I wanted to be a footballer uh school yeah I did okay in my HSC I probably regret not um giving it everything that I had um in grade 12 I focused on football probably a little bit too much mm-hmm. um, which was a lesson for Brandon when he came through he was he was very academic and he ended up with a 99.56 or something in his HSC I knew so, you got a high school I didn't know you got 99 yeah 99 mate he's uh, right. he was he was gifted at everything that kid yeah okay <laughs> fair enough so yeah but um, yeah huge rugby union school they, they, they tried to get me into into rugby and um and league and that too and and that was about the same time I just started to get introduced to this game of AFL football so I, I mean I loved it I loved AFL football it was everything and my passion was growing that way different to you know all my, all, all my mates at school were all rugby fans and mm-hmm. so that was that was challenging but um, I just had a passion for AFL I would like to touch on on the rugby career but if you just go a little bit about you as a student if you had to what sort of student were you at school because um, basically, I was diligent. I see you at the club. I, I reckon you're. I was co- you, you yeah. know, you know, coachable. coachable. <laughs> I was coachable. <laughs> okay, that's a good way. Of putting it. A good way yeah. of putting it. Yeah. yeah, I don't think no teachers had an issue with me. I, I did enough. That was put it that way. I did enough to get to get through and get by, but didn't. I don't think I reached my full potential at school. Okay, because the way you speak around the club, like you're a very polished individual. You speak well. I reckon mm. your year twelve oral exam would have been. Would have been your strength, I reckon. Very clear, very direct. Funnily enough, mate. No, not really. I, I was, I was very, very shy, very nervous kid at school. Like confidence in front of a camera and talking now has has grown with maturity and and being around this football club for for so long and, and just the natural progressions that you take there. So, um, yeah, school that, that kind of daunted me a little bit. That whole you know presentations up in front of a group and which you know maybe you don't think that's that's so much now, but no. yeah, that's sort of that's grown over time. You really ruined my segment because I kind of um, <laughs> you were heading down this I path, kind of aren't you? This path of you were this like um, academic scholar, and you were ducks of the school and, <laughs> and all this stuff. But um, surely there, there were some extracurricular groups you you were part of. I, I, I just I could picture you in in debating or or something like that. I could just no, right, no, chief. Okay, no. Uh, actually, the the most I can give you in grade six, I used to I used to try for everything just to get some days off school. So I, I went weeks where I'd have, you know, uh, AFL, Paul Kelly Cup, tennis, softball. Uh, I went to the choir tryouts one time just so I could get a potential afternoon <laughs> off school. Um, debating, gave that a go, no good at it, yeah. but all just to get yeah, <laughs> some you, time you, off school. You're bloody good now. <laughs> um, fair yeah. enough. Well, mate. And, and you, you you did touch on your brother, but I reckon he would have tutored you during your high school days. Oh, he's seven years younger than me, so that would. I reckon still, I reckon he still would have done. I think he still would have done pretty well. Uh, and I actually had the pleasure of um, of meeting a number of your schoolmates at your Bucks party in Newcastle, mate. So I thought yes. give him a shout out. I think I know the one Boz. He was kind of running the show down there. He was. Yeah. He's he's the organizer. He's the doctor of the group. He's right. uh, good mate of mine. Yes, fair yes. enough. It's a group. Actually, the group of probably ten of us that. I think it started in grade nine. We started playing this uh, fantasy NRL super coach type thing. Like, so a oh, lot of rugby horn. 
Rugby horn, yeah, mm-hmm. genuine rugby horn. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people are involved in AFL Supercoach. I, I couldn't, st- I wouldn't go near AFL Supercoach, but NRL Supercoach, I'm right into it. Mate, we have a draft night once a year. We, you know, catch up at the end of the year. It's it's big honours, big honours for the winner. Have you taken that prize out? I actually took it out last year. Right. First, first time since grade nine, I've taken it out. So it's a big year last year. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Got well, married, mate. won the premiership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about your um, your AFL career. Yeah. But as long as you got your super coach, you know, <laughs> thing going, that's great. Well, mate, while we run rugby, um, let's. Ch- I would love to chat about the most pumped up potential rugby career in the world. That's uh, kind of. Is it more of a media? Th- did you start this kind of thing around yourself about? Um, oh, I had the you know when I was eighteen, I had to choose between a professional rugby path and an AFL career. Like, how good were you? No, it was it was seriously inflated. I reckon. Is that from you or was that from no? Media outlets? I mean, I I sort of I made a decision at I was fifteen. I wasn't eighteen. Yeah. I was fifteen, and I was just playing club club rugby and maybe a local local representative team here and there but AFL was superior like a, I was I was going to nationals and state triats and okay. and that sort of thing rugby was I enjoyed it but by the end at 15 like I was a late developer I was I was smallest kid on the team yeah things haven't changed too much but no. <laughs> um, but when you're in that environment at 15 you're coming up against some pretty big boys uh, yeah. I was just getting pounded around so I wasn't enjoying it that much, and you know, AFL there were there were some um, opportunities opening up, so that's I just put all my eggs in that. It's funny you say that because I was chatting to, to Trish, who is our Pilates instructor, yeah, um, lovely lo- lovely woman. She was saying her thirteen-year-old son is playing rugby, and he's coming up against other thirteen-year-olds that are hundred kilos. Yeah, no, is that kind of what you felt was yeah, going on? I would, yeah, it's 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 yeah. the reality of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Heavier than me, yeah. yeah. But you struggle now running up against them. Oh, I would. I would. I'm a coward. <laughs> uh, that, that's why there's a debate at the moment with you know um, weights and age groups, and I don't know what the situation is. But um, if you're a young kid or a late developer, geez, you'd be hard pressed to continue doing it. That's why you're seeing you know so many come across to soccer and AFL, and yeah, um, that was my story growing up. I mean, I, I loved rugby league, but didn't feel like I was suited for it. Went down to AFL and, and fell in love with it and went from there. So you actually felt like you physically couldn't compete to get any better? Not at that age, no. no. I mean, I started to grow after that and maybe, you know... Did you? <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> 18, 19 might have been a different story, but at 14, 15, like, you just... You no chance. Yeah, right. The biggest kids win. Fair enough. <laughs> What's the highest level of rugby that you played? Uh, oh, well, was Balmain reps, which would have been close to Harold Matthews under 15s. So in football, in AFL terms, what kind of level is that? That's like your yeah, district level. Oh, mate, you've hand this story up for mate, years. The, you, have, you have, you have. At 15, you're not, you're not really going down no state paths at that age. It was district level and that was it. Yeah, but I reckon you've milked this story because the amount of times that I've <laughs> had to, um, before I got to the club, I obviously didn't know you, but... The word around Kieran Jack was, oh, he had this, um, he could have played for the Wallabies, this blokey, but he, but he well, showed that show- and So, <laughs> mate, for years. Mate, that just shows you- your knowledge right there, the Wallabies. And we're not even talking rugby union, we're talking oh. rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> what, are the, what, what are the league co- was called? Oh, uh, the, the, the Kangaroos. The Kangaroos. kangaroos. Yeah, right. Wallabies. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> that's, anyway, well, anyway, well that, that, that's my second segment done. Um, but no, well, who'd you back for in the NRL? If you're such an NRL horn, who, who, who was your team? Um, mate, I don't really have a team. Okay, I don't, I don't really have a team. I've been down to a few uh, Roosters games now, yeah. and, and I followed it a little bit with um, Mitchell Pierce going there, and mm-hmm. um, he was one that I'd often hang out with. You know, Balmain days, old old Balmain days with Wayne and and that. So, yeah. uh, Roosters maybe, but I don't I don't really follow. I'm not set it on a team. Yeah. Because I, I was going to say you're a Roosters fan as well because, um, you know, whenever we go down to the entertainment quarter for a feed and, and you see the boys, uh, <laughs> you, you, you definitely have it up. You go over and you have the handshakes and you give them the Sorry, I'm polite, and, mate. You know, no, I don't just I, brush them and no, put my head down and walk past them like you. I, I reckon it's a little bit of... Um, 
how do I say this? A little bit of you trying to keep the story up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, do, do you know what I mean? I reckon, yeah. I reckon, yeah, oh, so, um, no, yeah, but you are the rugby living in New South Wales, you are the rugby go to guy at the club. I feel you and Harry would be the ones that are probably most passionate about you know following the game and yeah. staying involved. So, yeah. yeah, you tend to go into you know, you probably see the game quite well. Well, well, compared to you, yeah, probably, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, horse will often. Horse might go during Origin period is when horse goes on his tangents. That's the, he'll come in on a Thursday and go. Did anyone watch the Origin last night? Harry and I will put a hand up. None of you blokes watch it. <laughs> what did you see about the Queensland defence? So then we start talking about that. He likes to go off on that yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, right. If you can learn from it, do it, mate. Gather inspiration wherever you can find it. I always say, good on you, um, mate. Yeah, yeah, good on you. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit more on the rugby education for myself, mate. What position we're were you? We're going back, are we? Jeez. What position were you? I was a 5'8". A 5'8". What, 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 what's a 5'8"? So, they're second in line. They're a bit, they're playmaker. They're, they're, know, they're a playmaker. They, they, they make stuff happen. So, what's your role then? Like, explain to me. I, I have no idea what <laughs> a 5'8 is. Man, I barely know it as well, okay. to be honest with you. Fair enough. They can. They're probably the only ones in the team that can kick, apart from the halfback. Yeah, and they just steer you big blokes around the park. So I'll just be telling you, just run hard and straight because that's all you're good for. Whack, <laughs> whack. Um, and the best game you ever played in rugby is there one? Do you remember a, a junior game where mate. you the best game you ever played? Mate, I'm milking for it's worth, mate. Just, just keep. You know what I mean? We're going way back here. Yeah. I reckon. Under nines, I reckon I might have scored six. Which six is tries. Six. Yeah. Far out. What's your best? In rugby? No, we're not even going there in footy. Um, I kicked eight. Eight goals, five in a school game once. How old were you? 17. Jeez, that's pretty good. He didn't yeah. get drafted. Pun? He didn't get drafted. That's a separate podcast. Come on, mate. That's a separate, <laughs> mate. We've, um, I want to hear your story too. Mate, that, that, my one will be a part one, two, three series <laughs> and I'll just be venting. For We've all good, got a sob story, don't we? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I'll yeah. just be venting for a good, for a good four <laughs> hours so that I get all my appearances done for the year. Which is, um, But you touched on transitioning to AFL, mate. Um, how and when did you start playing AFL coming from a rugby background and a rugby school and... More importantly, what did your mates think of this little transition you made? Uh, so I was I was twelve. I think there was a Swans um, Swans training session came to my school, Westburn Hills Primary, and did did a couple of skills. And we were trying out for this new competition called the Paul Kelly Cup. It was in its first year of introduction. Yeah, uh, nineteen ninety eight, I think it was. There were about fifty schools that were in, and we went through the districts and through the competitions and made the grand final, which is actually out here on the SCG. Um, so I was a 12-year-old, 11-year-old. I got to run out in the SCG. We won the competition. I met Paul Kelly. And that was just like this um, new energy, new passion sort of started to grow from there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, my, I, mean I, copped a, I copped a lot of shit at school. Let's yeah. be honest. Going to a rugby school and you're the only one playing AFL. But it's different now. We've seen the, the change and the growth of, of the game. But I was a bit of a lone soldier at times yeah <laughs> trying right. to kick a I'll bring an AFL ball to school mate that'd get thrown on the roof like <laughs> <it was laughs> you just wouldn't do it yeah so uh, but I still enjoyed I, I, I played sort of touch footy with, with my mates and played rugby at times at, during lunchtime and, and whatnot. but AFL was was always going to be was always going to be the way I went down did you, did you school have a team? sorry? did you school have an AFL team? at all? no 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 so no. where was your junior club? Uh, Pennant Hills Demons. Pennant Hills Demons. Pennant Hills Demons, yeah. Where Macca, Macca came through there. Lenny oh. Hayes was through there. It's quite like an, is- through there. an isolated footy club in Pennant Hills. It's produced some footy players. Mate, I, I actually know Ham. I've actually heard they do it quite well down there. Yes, um, they do. Well, mate, well, at, what stage did the, at what stage did the light bulb go off when you thought, you know, I could give this a fetic and crack? Is there like, do you get picked for a team with clubs chatting to you? Like, was there a moment when you thought, I want to make this an AFL career or did it kind of just happen to you kind of um, naturally, th- organically? I think it was probably when I was bottom age, under 18s, Rod Carter, Swans Hall of Fame yep. member, Cats. was the tilt. <laughs> Called him the tilt. tilt. If you see him kick, you'll know why. Okay. 
Um, he was actually the coach and he gave me an opportunity and, he, you know, we struck up a relationship there and, and he really gave me some confidence um, to play and I felt like I could compete at, which was TAC Cup level. Um, and then the following year, Daniel McPherson was the coach, another Swans ex-player. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, became captain of that team and and that's when I was, you know these dreams and ambitions started to come across right so that was uh and I really started to believe that I you know I wanted to do it and 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 could potentially do it there were some hurdles clearly along the way being from New South Wales and the lack of uh, we were behind the eight ball compared to the Vicks and lack South of Australia. exposure lack, yeah. lack of exposure we were, yeah. we were a couple of years in development behind those as well so um, but uh, yeah, missed, missed the draft and then got invited down by the Swans to train mm-hmm. um, pre Christmas. And then a bit of a story here too. Um, the week before the the rookie draft was going to be announced, so the Swans had three zone selections that they could take. Zone selections were New South Wales players that they got a free hit at, mm-hmm. basically to try and. Um, grow the game in New South Wales and give some opportunities to kids and a lot sort of lasted a year or two and, and then f- sort of finished up and went into you know the Sydney leagues and you know grow the game that way um, anyway the weekend before uh, the rookie draft they called me up and they, they said my draft uh, forms the AFL didn't have them so I wasn't actually in the draft pool <laughs> <laughs> so the, the forms that we'd filled out in the months prior or weeks prior or whatever it was had never never been picked up by the AFL now, I don't know what happened right okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened um, the, the NRL <laughs> <laughs> to this day so what they ended up doing was they said well we, we need to give every club the opportunity to pick you up um, and if every club says no then the Swans can pick you up with the very last pick of the rookie draft interesting so went through every club no, 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 and then the Swans end up taking me with the very last pick in the in the rookie draft, and it sort of started there. That piss you off? Being, uh, um, being club saying no to you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. It's just made the desire just just burnt. I mean, I, I was I was hell bent on making it, and um, wanted to show some people that I could. Because uh, I think I've actually heard you say in a few. Um, and a few media things that you've done about yourself that you actually felt like you had a few doubters in your career um, when you probably first got picked up. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure you did a... I um, can't remember where this was. I remember watching it like probably six, seven years ago now that when you kind of... They talked about when you kind of debuted into the league and before you kind of established yourself. I reckon you had, you had some doubts on you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. What were they? Definitely. I mean, I... Um, I had I had huge issues with my game. Like uh, kicking was kicking was foreign to me, Cal. Like it was, um, you know, I kick around the corner, cow. cow conversation with the cow. I mean, I kick around the corner, sort of rugby style. So I did when I came here. It was Peter Jonas and Brett Allison who were the development coaches. Yeah, they pretty much stripped it all back, and we just went back to square one kicking, and we just kick for hours and hours downstairs in the in the dungeon at those targets, and just yeah, kick right. straight, 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 straight. Um, and I was groomed at being like a lockdown back pocket, that you know the Jared Crouch, Nick Smith type oh, model. So that yeah. so my first two years playing reserves were essentially that. Um, yeah. Our back line, mate. Our back line in the reserves was myself, uh, Heath Grundy, Nick Smith. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the reserves in two thousand and seven. So, but the ball's getting sent back the other way pretty quickly. Yeah, you know? it was pretty yeah. pretty tight defence. Um, and then through opportunities and in pre-seasons and learning to grow my game, I was able to move into the midfield and you know become a tagger and then two-way runner and then it sort of grew from there. Because hmm. I remember when you first got your crack in the midfield, you established yourself. Right, you established yourself as a tagger. Yep. And you were just a tackling absolute machine. Yep. Um, and then from there, I can tagging guys probably would have helped you a little bit. And correct me if I'm wrong, because they're taking you to the footy like these guns are actually taking you to the footy and then you can just play one on one really yeah. yeah it was a, a philosophy that Paul Roos is big on and John's horse is big on it too is actually playing on the best locking them down and then learning to go 
and go the other way. So like, you know, um, Jared McVeigh did it. It was all part of the, you know, the tutoring of being an AFL midfielder. Um, it was funny because one of the very first opportunities I got was at North Sydney Oval. Had to tag uh, Ree Shaw for Collingwood. And Gosh. he was the... <laughs> He was a captain of Collingwood. They made him captain of Collingwood that day. And sure, he just reckons, he goes, I had this little blonde kid just follow me around on and off the bench. I had two touches for the game. My first game as captain. Yeah, right. <laughs> he was shattered. <laughs> and he was up here. We've be, become uh, great friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, speaking of captaincy, mate, from where you started, from you got drafted to the club, they're going to... The club's overlooked you. They sent you to the back pocket. Um mm-hmm. Which is where you're going to die, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm being harsh. Tell Nick being, Smith that. I'm being harsh, <laughs> being harsh, being harsh. No, well, you guys are the most resilient, you know what I mean? You got out, Nick didn't, you know what I mean? But Nick actually made it his own, and he did, he did bloody well at it. He's a gunsmith. But um, you touched on captaincy before. Who would have thought that you'd become captain of the Sydney Swans? Maybe you did. Yeah, well, yeah I don't think many people would have. Um, but it kind of happened... It kind of happened sort of naturally with my game as it evolved along the way. Um, you know, got into the midfield, became a two-way runner, then started to take on, you know, leadership group uh, responsibilities. And then uh, Goodsy decided to step down and, and Horse opted for co-captain with, with Macca. So it was, um, yeah, I was 26 when Horse told me that. So relatively young, but it was a, just a huge honour to lead this club that I'd sort of followed and mm. was the reason why I was you know playing AFL football was because of the Swans and watching guys like Paul Kelly so yeah it was just a huge honour and something I wanted to you know do it justice did you feel you were ready at the time uh, good question mate it was I don't know I don't know. I don't think you ever know that you're ready to captain a football club it's when you look at it and think about it it's a it's a big responsibility, but I think talking with Macca and sitting down with him and just reiterating that we just need to keep doing what we're doing and lead the club the way that we have, it's kind of just, you certainly take on more responsibility and you don't look at it through a, an individual silo, so to speak. Um, you take the whole club into, into um, yeah, as a point of view, so... Um, but it's something I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed doing it. It was it was a great responsibility. Tough. It was tough, but I, I love doing it. One thing I think probably people underestimate as probably being a captain is having some pretty pretty hard and honest conversations with your teammates. So mm-hmm. um, being part of a footy club, you make a lot of you form pretty close relationships and close mates. But how how did you go um, giving pretty having those pretty honest conversations and direct feedback you know, to your mates because as captain you, you, when you do your your reviews and you're going through games and even on game day you've got to be pretty direct to your mates and it's probably even more so as the captain of the yeah. club mate was that challenging for you? Or? Oh it was really tough yeah. yeah, I found it I found it really difficult because I was someone that that wanted to sort of be mates with everyone you know but to tell some of your mates what's best for the team like you know conversations with really close friends during the time it was it's the most it's the toughest part of being a leader at, at a club um, but you've got to understand it's for the greater benefit of, of the entire football club and that's what it's we're here to win games we're here to win premierships so mm. um, that's why you do it you don't do it for your own ego or for anything else it's just for the better of the football club but it was something I struggled with early especially being young and a lot of the senior players in the team were older than me um, that was difficult did you feel in oh, not not hostility is probably not the word but did you feel you probably just answered it you probably felt a little bit uncomfortable mm. becoming captain when yeah who, well, who were some of the names that were older than you that were when you were named captain at the club at the time Oh, like Ryan O'Keefe, Jude Bolton, Adam Goods, Ted Richards, Marty Matt, yeah, right. Shaw. Okay. Like the, yeah, well, there's some pretty the, handy footballers. Hand, yeah. And uh, big personalities and yeah. big names. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It was, um, but I think, mate, you know, like we, we developed a club where it's feedback is feedback. It's there for a reason. Like, we, I don't think anything that we say is, is directed personally. That's the main thing. It's just you, you cop it on the chin and you, and you do something about it. So. Hmm. And there are times where, you know, I've copped it from, from those blokes back. You cop it on the chin, you do something about it. 
completely agree completely agree um bit serious there Chief. yeah it was Jeez. well mate I thought we, I thought we were just kind of <laughs> we're making a mockery of this podcast for the first 20 minutes so I thought I'd probably um, if we can just if I can just keep you in that space just a little bit longer okay. mate I really hope you don't mind yeah. but um, I'd love to chat about, yeah, you are just shy of your 250th you're um, which I'm I'm looking really looking forward to actually celebrating with you mate because 250 games is a unbelievable effort um, to play one game at this level I reckon is an amazing effort but I'd like to talk to you about your 200th game. Now, I was lucky enough to play with you that night. It was Friday night footy, Geelong in Geelong. One of the real toughest challenges from a football perspective is going down there and playing that footy club because they do it bloody well. Um, but, mate, massive week for you. Like, yeah, some really tough circumstances. And I don't think, you know, no one should have to deal with what you did on such a week that was supposed to be so positive for you. Um, just Can you just give us a bit of insight into what you feel comfortable with um, of your mindset of that week yeah chief it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a shit week yeah. <laughs> to state the obvious um, and we're done <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know the reality is I mean I'm not going to get caught up in too much um, no. private stuff here but it was it was a week that sort of tested tested me um tested Charlotte tested Brandon as well but I think it also highlighted uh, how great football clubs can be I think um, it was a short week we'd come off a really bad loss to Western Bulldogs I wasn't even really to be honest wasn't really really thinking about the the 200th it was more just let's get back and have a, let's just bounce back and win yeah. and then when everything sort of blew up it um, it took it further away from, from that um, but you guys and horse and the club were, were just incredible in support and um, yeah it was difficult being able to switch off and switch on and, and get everything right but you just have to deal with it yeah. and uh, the great thing was like the club made Brandon the emergency for that game so he could come down and and support um, mm. but then once, you, once you're down in Geelong like it was just us boys down there so I kind of felt like it was uh, it was back to business, yeah. back to business yeah. so and then you know the game was incredible like we played as a team we played one of the one of our great games for the year it's probably one of our best wins for the year so Matt it was it was pretty awesome to be part of we actually looking forward to playing the game though because I do remember um, we had a a meeting because um, I think we always reflect back to that game because one it was actually we actually played really really well as a team um, apart from obviously your circumstances but the actual football side of things was was unreal that night but you did say that you felt extremely lonely that week. So, like, were you even looking forward to playing, or did you did you, did you kind of was it nervous? Was it? It's yeah, yeah. At some point during the week, I mean, I, I yeah, I completely sort of removed the game from myself. It was more just looking after um, those closest and just get trying to get my head right. Um, but once you were down in Geelong, it's uh, I was looking for I was looking forward to it because it was kind of a way to just get out there and do what I do, mm. um, and just actually get on with life. So, um, you know, it was pretty special. Before the game, I had Maka, you know, give me my jumper. Uh, there was a bit of a video that got played. I had Brandon sitting next to me. It was like it was really it was the most emotional I've been uh, mm. prior to a game. I think it was even a couple of tears at one point. So. Um, it was emotionally driven. I was really emotionally invested in it, and and the boys were too. Like, I, you know, I had Joey come up to me before the game and just said, "Don't worry, mate. We'll we'll win this for you." Like, we'll, and Bard and like yourself and all, I mean, all you boys were just awesome. So mm. um, it, it didn't become about me. It was just about us and what we can do down in Geelong and you know, get our season back on track. I think Macca's, um the point you made about Macca, like we talk about playing football and being part of a team and making memories together I reckon that speech he gave pre-game that sticks in my mind yeah. um, I thought it was absolutely unreal really and knowing Macca he's pretty direct pretty simple and yeah. when he speaks kind of less is more for him and he just um, nailed on the head and I think that absolutely fired the boys up And yeah um, I mean yeah, yeah. I still remember it. I mean, he spoke about he spoke about brotherhood and just a connection and just us out there and just things like that like it was that that moment really I'll, I'll never forget that moment it was mm. really special and um, 
yeah, I mean, having Brandon there as well was, was just equally, it was just awesome, awesome. But we should touch base on your actual football performance. Definitely one of the best games you've ever played. Like you yeah. were that, like that night, you what you, you ended up kicking three and yep. you, um, mate, you were ferocious. So no doubt you're a talented player, but you just felt like you had the ball on absolute string. Yeah, I was, footy gods, mate. Maybe they, <laughs> yeah. maybe they were on my side that night. It was. Uh, I'll get you down the other end, though, mate. I'll get you down I'll the other end. The other yeah, end trust yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that, and then that first goal was pretty special, and the, you know the whole whole team around me. That was that sort of just got things going. Yeah. And then, uh, but mate, our pressure was unbelievable that game. Like, it's, mm. I still have, I still have visions of like Gary Rowan just hunting them down, and you know, Parksy and Bud, and like it's just, mm. and you know. It was just incredible. We'll lighten the mood, mate. We're going to go a little bit of outside of footy stuff. Yep. Get back to knowing you a little bit more in your current state. <laughs> um, your MBA. Yep. Your master's at business admin. Yep. How long did that take you? And that uh, would have been a nightmare. Yeah, it, uh, it took me... Uh, I did it fairly quickly, actually. It took me just over three and a half years. Mm. Um, but if you go back to when I first started studying... I started studying end of 2011, which went to Sydney Uni. A few boys, we started um, started studying at Sydney Uni um, and completed a couple of subjects then. Um, and that was heading into the 2012 final series where I actually put it at a halt. I stopped it for a little bit and wanted to get back into it eventually. But circumstances didn't go that way. We won mm. the flag. I went on a pretty decent holiday with Joey and Hannah's yeah right <laughs> right and then we've got to create a new segment uh, and, then, <laughs> um, and then came back and started training actually started training pretty heavily that pre-season with Tony Armstrong who was a good mate of mine and he was um, on his last year of a contract and wanted to really get stuck into training so I put my hand up and said yeah I'll, I'll run with you all, all, all off season yeah right I came back in December, I was in really good nick, and then two weeks later, I just like, collapsed. I, had, I didn't know why, I just fatigued, yeah. and ended up with glandular fever. Okay. So, 2013 was a bit of a wipeout year, because football was so tough, and mm. just so difficult to get that done. A lot of the other time, I was just resting up and sleeping yeah okay <laughs> so it wasn't until end of 15 i decided to get back into it but wanted something a little bit more um uh, a little bit more flexible so we went and did it did this online mba which uh, i really enjoyed and had to be sort of disciplined to do it because you have to find your own time but um yeah was really determined to finish it and uh you know copped a bit of shit along the way from you on the plane next to me I'm trying to finish hey, my readings. No, no, no I've, I'm pretty supportive of boys <laughs> off field. Um, <laughs> well, maybe it was Macca. Yeah. Um, so it's it funny. A lot of trips down to Melbourne would be myself uh, with a textbook out, sitting next to Nick Smith, who was learning Spanish with his uh, cassettes in cassettes cassettes in next cassettes. to him, learning okay. uh, how to speak Spanish so he could talk to his wife. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, she can open. Yeah, but. Spanish background okay fair yeah. enough um, well where's this where is the NBA going to take you mate because not, not many people have them and you've got you're captain of one of the best footy clubs in Australia mm. the future's looking pretty bright for you Kieran uh, where's, I, it, where's life after footy going to yeah. career wise wh- wh- where are you seeing yourself I haven't locked anything in chief just sort of yet um, ideally I think I'd, I'd, I want to stay in sport uh I'd love to stay at AFL Football Club um, because I'm really passionate about that. But I don't see myself staying directly in football, like um, like coaching or or heading down that path. I'd, I'd like to be more commercial and behind the scenes and, and working out you know a few things there and seeing how it, businesses run through an AFL club. That would be that's something that I'd like to pursue a little bit a little bit more. Well, mate, you're building uh, quite a case and quite a CV, mate. I think it's 
very impressive. But your brother Brandon, I'd say, is probably on a bit of a, a different path with his career. Um, Brandon obviously played with us for, for how many years, Brandon? Uh, 13, 14, about four years, four, five four years. Four or five years. Yeah. You've got a very, very strong bond with your brother. Um, but he's gone down a different career path. Yes. Yeah, yeah he... Um He's very creative, Brandon. He, like I haven't got a creative bone in my body. He's he's creative. He's um, he's in a band. He loves to write. Um, he's he's a year off finishing his psychology degree at UNSW, um, but has a real just thinks in real depth. Like we'll sit down and have a coffee and just chat about what's going on in the world. He just his brain must just th- yeah. think at different levels. Yeah. And uh, he's got an ability to write um, really clearly and uh, really well, which he's, he's had a few pieces done in the paper already. And yeah, no, he's good. He's, he's really good. Yeah, he's, really he's pretty good. strong on a, on a certain views. So, um, yeah, he's he's on an upward trajectory. I think uh, he's his best is yet to come, Brandon. I think the the AFL locker room probably did him a disservice. I think I think he um, it seems like since he's um, he stepped away from football that. Um, He's found is what he's really passionate about. Mm. He's a lot more um, comfortable in kind of expressing his views and and, and things like that. So yeah. it opened th- it, it opened him up. I think I think yeah. the football environment was very constrictive for him. And you know you got to be you got to be here at this time and there at that time, and you can't do this and you can't. Mm. It, it, now he's in a space now where he can just do what he wants, mm. um, play his music, and go and record albums, and you know go on a tour. He's just been up the east coast of. Um, of the country, just doing a tour and following certain bands, so yeah, that's right. for a month, which is which is just incredible. And you don't get to do that if you're an AFL footballer. So he's, uh, yeah, he's just sort of opened him up a bit. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you, do you think he'll play? He'll he'll put put the boots back on again. He think, will. Yeah. Do you think there's a bit of a drive there for him to still put, well, to play some games? He he played last year. He ended yeah. up he ended up playing at UNSW for the back end of the year. And that okay. was purely from a, just a bit of fun and enjoyment um, to go alongside his studies because he was there, at, he was studying at UNSW and they asked him if he wanted to be a part of their footy club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he probably, because he ended up winning the comp last year, I think he thought that was it. Yeah. Um, but now Dean Towers, Dean Towers has yes, gone there as a coach. Dean. So, so Dean's on his back flat out at the moment trying to get him down for some training sessions and, and to play a few more games. So he might come back yeah. This year, back end of the year, oh, he's not going to play now, mate. He, yeah, he just doesn't. <laughs> preseason training is not for him. <laughs> so, um, but, but he was a good trainer, though. I thought. Yeah, he, he was a great no, he trainer, was a great runner. He used to push himself bloody yeah. hard. Oh, he pushed himself um, to the limits. Yeah. But um, I think he <laughs> he doesn't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Well, shout out to Dean Towers because I reckon um, the boys are going to get down to um, the East Bulldogs. But mate, there could be a potential there for BJ. Yeah. They had a win on the weekend too. They did. Well, Donnie's one from one. Well, he could play in the social functions. Yes. He's get the band. Uh, his band is known as, is called the Vitriots. Is that still the Vitriots? Yes, they are. So the Vitriots, very um, very impressive um, group of musicians, those boys. So make what sure. Would you classify them as rock? Um, oh, bit yeah, edgy. I think so. Bit rock. But I didn't even know he, I didn't even know he could sing yeah. until he left AFL. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So he's actually knows. Um, he can hit a, hit a churn. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's good. But mate, off season, you got married. Um, I've never seen someone so nervous get married because I remember walking into the um, when you got married, uh, walking into the to the nice little parked area where you, um, it was an outdoor wedding, and um, you were just standing up there with your little penguin suit on, and, uh, and I went over and spoke to you. And um, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, I went and I actually asked you a few questions, and then you paused and you went. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, yeah. So you obviously um, weren't listening, but well, mate, mate, how do you prepare for it? It's not like a game where well, you, you had know surgery you... to prepare. Yeah, <laughs> I had surgery two weeks beforehand. So yeah. There's a real chance I was going to be on crutches at, down the end of the aisle. Do you have a brace under your under your? Um... Uh, I didn't end up putting it on. You didn't? Um, no, I didn't. No, no but I I very nearly could have. It was only that it just started to really feel good that, and plus I didn't want to stand up there in a penguin suit with a brace on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, but no, yeah, yeah, one of the more nerve-wracking things you can do. So, Cal, when you end up doing it, you, I'll, yeah. I'll ask you about it. 
oh mate I've um, I learned from the best man I thought you handled yourself very well you spoke very well um, mate lovely setting I've actually never been to the Blue Mountains before and um, the backdrop for your ceremony was exquisite something that I'll take with me for a long time yeah um, I've got a bow to pick about your wedding um, your waitresses the, your waiters and waitresses were they your friends no no okay good because what? I don't know if you know this <laughs> I got cut off. I got cut off What's from eating too much food at your wedding. Really? So, yeah, I got cut off. I was... Um, sorry, guys. The guys just here <laughs> listening, but I need to get this. Off. I think it's quite funny. I was... Um, so, when you're doing all your photos and things like that, we had a, probably an hour and a half just yeah. to everyone have a few drinks and just mingle and chat before all the formal... The formalities start. And um, I was pretty hungry, so I just grabbed a couple of the, the finger food that was getting yeah. around and... 10 minutes later they come around again grabbed a couple more nothing too big the bloke looks at me and he goes uh, I think you've had too much mate and I said excuse me <laughs> excuse me and he goes oh he goes other people have to eat too and he avoided me the rest of the night he wouldn't come he wouldn't serve me he wouldn't anything like that and um, mate I apologise so I, I, yeah, I so, uh, look it was a great wedding I loved it um, but I was just, uh, yeah, it was something that. Well, we didn't get any. The food. boys were laughing. No, the boys were laughing their heads off. They thought it, they thought it was the funniest thing about how angry I was at this waiter. Um, and I thought it might have been a little stitch up from you that don't serve this guy. Because nah, um, I wouldn't do that to you, mate. Yeah, I wouldn't but, do that. Um, but, but you yeah. do. Yeah, but you get angry quite easily, though. That's let, let's be honest. When I got little ferrets like yourself riling me up, mate, it's um, <laughs> you get a bit, it's a bit frustrating. But um, mate, we're going to finish on a fun little segment, right? Um, I really, uh, I haven't played this game for a few weeks. Um, we did it with Ramps in the first episode, but um, how'd Ramps go? I thought Ramps was, um, I thought Ramps is quite good. Um, yeah. Like I said before, I've heard his story a lot. Um, we all so have. It, was, it wasn't new to me, but <laughs> um, look, he spoke really well. I think he'll um, he'll he'll definitely get another appearance on the podcast. Um, okay, talk more about of his uh, more of his off field stuff. But mate, the game is called Ham or No Ham. Um, this game is so it's kind of. Do our viewers know about ham? Have you? Uh, I, we we spoke about uh, we spoke about ham uh, in Ramps's podcast. Okay. Um, okay, but just for a bit of a refresher, ham or no ham, it's a bit of our version of true or false um, amongst the club. If someone's doing something a little bit exaggerated, a little bit, exaggerated. A little bit out there, yeah. they've maybe told a fib or a lie. It's called that's just ham. You're a ham. Um, so ham or no ham? You ready to play? I'm ready. Ready to play. Beautiful. Um, fair to say, your reputation amongst the boys is that you're quite frugal with your cash. <laughs> that's no. That's, yeah, that's no. no whether it's on. whether it's no. Hang on, sorry. Whether it's true or false. Yeah. Whether it's true or that's false. Whether lot, what you believe or not. That's a lot of ham. Yeah. No. Hear me out. No, hear me out. <laughs> I'll tell whether you. That's a lot of ham. <laughs> whether, I'm going to ask this question again. Whether it's true or false, is it fair to say? that you do have a reputation I'll say it again true or, um, whether it's true or false or not is it true or false or ham or no ham no I'm, I'm trying to get this question out properly but right is it fair to say that amongst the boys you do have a reputation for being frugal with your cash whether it's true or not true but is that is that reputation it depends there? on what era you're talking about like my first yeah <laughs> no ham my first two three years but mate I was a rookie list player yeah, come on. You know what a rookie. Yeah, no, I hundred percent no. You lived at I'm home. Not, I didn't I'm even not, live at home. I'm not, I'm, having, um, I'm not having a go. I'm just saying, is that is it fair to say that image was there of you? It was there. Okay, it Beautiful. was there. Okay, it was it was amplified by the likes of uh, Nick Melcheski, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Willoughby, Jared McVeigh, who went to town on it. Yes. They found out that's not like Macca. That's unlike Macca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we had a mate, we had fine, you know how we do fines every now and then. Yep. Now we used to do that. fines every week. Fines the fines used to be every week. Yeah, Brian right. O'Keefe was in charge of it, and mate, they just go to Pebs with the most outrageous <laughs> stories of me just yeah. to get a cheap gag. Like some of the stuff they said that I walked into Rebel Sport to try on a pair of shoes, put on the socks, put the shoes on, walked out with the socks. Like, <laughs> like... <laughs> so... Uh, what, those soggy socks that are in soggy, the box? Yeah, yeah. It's the, sh- yeah actually, the share it's socks. That's actually a pretty good gag. Um, um, but it's it's dissipated, mate. It's, it's not there. Okay. Well, what, well... 
But yeah, Mac well, is Mac is forty five, and you know, so the he, answer he still to the first question it. is it's no ham. There is that image there of you. There was ham or no ham, Kieran. Did you used to sit in your car at the front of houses and cafes with your laptop to use other residents' free Wi-Fi? Yeah, that's no ham. <laughs> <laughs> no pushback, no, no resistance. No, 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 no. I thought it was actually. That's sad, mate. I thought it's it was sad. I thought it was quite savvy. It's sad. It was savvy because this was before a time where there were there were no locks on internet back then, so you just log in anyone's. I'd just sit there and go through my emails and download some music, and I only got caught because my housemate at the time, Luke Vogels, was driving up the other way, and he's seen me sitting in the car like a hundred meters down the road. And he's like, "What are you doing?" I said, oh, mate, I'm just checking my emails. I've got Shane and Joel here. And it's, are you guys in the service? It really is. It really is incredible. Um, so, so no so ham. It kind of supports the first point. So no ham. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, ham or no ham? When you used to drive your car and you're going down hills, is it true that you used to put your car in neutral? <laughs> That's no ham. Again, it happened in 2007 so, mate, again. This is, and I was running out of petrol. I was heading down the hill towards Coogee and I just thought I'd just roll it down. And- <laughs> <laughs> um, Hamlet, that is just uh, really, really extraordinary. You, this is not You good. should be writing the... Um, this is not good. You should write a new version of the Barefoot Investor. Barefoot Investor. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so those are no ham. Yep. Um, I want to ask a question. I've got one of the boys that's kind of wants to ask a question. Um, um, this would be good. Is there a story about your nickname being Batman? Batman? Yeah. In Vegas? Oh, the, the bat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's bat. true. What, 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 can you just give us a little bit of a rundown on this? Uh, well, if, they, it's, if it's appropriate. Oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um. So when when we were yeah, when we were, <laughs> I basically didn't surface during the day. That was that was it. I'd, I'd come out at night. <laughs> so oh, I love it. So yeah, just before I had glandular fever. So that probably yeah explains a little bit. Oh, so just during the days, you sleep just shut, shut down. I, just, and shut I, down. I, I slept. The boys thought I was something was wrong with me. Like they checked my pulse every now and then. I was just asleep. Far out. But then, you know, once the night time hit, I was up and about. <laughs> right. Well, mate, well, you go on one extreme to another because you did say that you went to Vegas. Um, you've obviously you have obviously had a really good time in the evenings. Um, you've then obviously come back to Australia and you've gone pedal to the metal yeah. on your pre-season training. Mate, no wonder you've broken down. That's exactly you've right. Angel of Fever for six months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Far out. Kizza, on that note, mate, we're going to end it there. I think you've been an absolute super guest. I actually think you've been one of the best so far I've had. I've done five of these now, and um, you speak really well. You're a polished gentleman, mate. Thanks again. Good on you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. (laughs)